morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. We welcome you all here. Visitors, trust you feel at home. How many remember the message from last Sunday? Good. Did a good job. So we looked at the shepherds and wise men the previous two years. I thought, I wonder if I've preached a Christmas message yet. Shows how good my memory is. I'm sure I'd had. But back in 17, 2017, I had preached on the shepherds. I'm not sure what was in 18. I don't keep notes like Dwight does. He can probably tell me. So we have two on the shepherds and two on the wise men. And I had this one rolling around in my head before Dwight preached last Sunday. I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I know our Sunday school lesson was in Isaiah. We're going to continue building on what we learn. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Obviously, Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah around the time that the northern kingdom of Israel had fell to Assyria. I can only imagine that during this time, this tumultuous time, there was warring and superpowers that were clashing and probably were threatening Judah. So here is Isaiah offering a glimmer of hope, a message from the Lord of both judgment and hope. And this message was probably some 700 years before it actually came to be. A blessed prince, a mighty king, a reign of peace. These are promises that sounded wonderful to Isaiah's audience in the 8th century B.C. Perhaps the son of Ahaz, Hezekiah. Maybe he'd fit the bill. He was a good king. He purged Judah of idolatry, got rid of the idols. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. But you know, Hezekiah was still earthly. He was still a king that reigned and, and did good, but it came to an end. It didn't last forever. And it wasn't long until Judah was following Israel into exile into Babylon. These words of hope here that we look at this verse, chapter 9, verse 6, are sandwiched between words of judgment and warning and condemnation for the, from the Lord for Israel's wickedness. God would punish Israel 
But God's anger does not continue forever. There is hope. And this verse, this text, talks of that light. Jesus is going to be that light that comes into this dark world and shines. So why was a child born unto us? I want to step back in time. And I want to look at a familiar story that portrays this story. We're familiar with it. Genesis 17. God promises Abraham a son. God establishes a covenant with Abraham. And through this son that Abraham and Sarah would have, Isaac is how this covenant would be established. Not only that, but during the course of that life, as Isaac grew from a baby to a man, there was an encounter that God tested Abraham's faith and told Abraham that he needed to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham, by faith, followed through with God's plan. And then God, because of that, God promised a blessing. And that blessing we can find in Genesis chapter 22, verse 15 through 18. All nations will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So this blessing that was promised, how many years ago to Abraham the line of descendants that Jesus came through, this child, Jesus Christ, came through as a human, just like you and me. Now this blessing that we have is still continuing on to this day. Salvation to different nations to different races of people. It's available to every single one. Just recently I heard of a underground church, or maybe we could call it a rooftop church, in Afghanistan. Some Afghans were seeking out service, and they had a... uh, Israeli leader that was leading them in their Bible study. So in order to get good cell service, they had their services on top of rooftops. And they never knew where they would have their next service. They would have to scout it out. These Afghans would get caught would certainly probably mean death. But the choice that they chose to seek God and to follow through. And the blessing that they could have with having that freedom with Him was far worth more than the death of this life. Jesus was born unto us because it did not end with it just being a blessing to His parents. Jesus was not just born to Joseph and Mary. 
the way Isaac was born to Abraham, to Abraham and Sarah. In Mark 10, verse 45, Jesus' birth was to be a ransom for God's people. And this makes it a universal blessing to all people. What is a ransom? Well, we're familiar with the kidnapping that happened in Haiti. And there was a ransom on those that were kidnapped. I happen to overhear a little bit of a news blurb on that. And the news media that was talking about it was just uh, fathomed or awestruck by how this all happened. They said it's just like a story in a book. And they just couldn't really even explain how this happened. And the discussion was, well, there was, I didn't fact check this, but they said a ransom was paid for the ones that were released before the other 12 that escaped. I don't know that for sure, but that's what the news source said. Um, but the question for discussion was, well, there was a 10th month old baby with the group, and they traveled for... Ten miles. How come didn't the baby cry? You know, these are questions that people, if they understand God's power, wouldn't have to ask questions like that. But this ransom, Christ paid for us that we can be free from the bondage of sin. This is God's plan, God's choice to have His Son become a baby and to take on our flesh. I find it amazing. God, who is all-powerful and righteous and holy, being able to condense Himself into skin, flesh. How can flesh contain the power of God? It was only by Jesus humbling himself and fulfilling his Father's plan. Jesus stepping down from his glorious place. So instead of God coming down as lightning or riding on a chariot, he came as an infant, living and walking among us, to be one of us. The Lord of the universe stepped down and became familiar with our pain and our struggle. He was in our flesh so that we do and feel what Jesus. Christmas time is not just a story about a baby being born. It's about a baby for us. And it's given to us. This is a gift that God is laying at our doorstep. And I ask the question, how do I respond? How do I receive it? Do I make room for him in my heart? You know, there's nowhere in Scripture 
that tells us that we need to celebrate Jesus' birth. But Jesus does tell us that we need to commemorate his death until he comes. But I don't believe observing Christmas in a way that we do is wrong. As long as it's done in the right spirit. There's a lot of good that can be done in this season. We do need to be careful that we do not get caught up with the world's ideas of what Christmas is. In our verse, it talks about the government being on his shoulders. This suffering servant would become the leader. Every knee will bow down before him one day. This baby one day will govern the world. After the resurrection, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority is given in heaven and on earth. It has been given to me. The world leaders, whether they are good or bad, I believe are all in place in God's timing. God will use them to bring about His plan. Isaiah also goes on to give us some descriptions of this child. Let's look at those descriptions. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Looking at the first one. Wonderful. In the King James Version... There's a comma there that separates wonderful and counselor. If you have the NIV, that comma is removed, has it together. But I'm going to take it as separate. Jesus is wonderful. As we read through the gospel, we can see how Jesus fulfilled this prediction of being wonderful. Jesus did many wonderful things even from his childhood. The very first one we have is recorded in Luke 2, 47. When Joseph and Mary took Jesus up to the temple and he was sitting there with the teachers, everyone that heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Matthew 8:27 The men were amazed and asked, "What kind of man is this? Even the winds obey him." Nature obeys Jesus. Matthew 7:28 When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Matthew 9:33 when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever seen has ever been seen in Israel. Matthew fifteen thirty one The people were amazed when they saw that the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walked, the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. 
Matthew 27:54. when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Even in death, which is anything but wonderful, Jesus proved himself to be a true wonder. Jesus spoke in parables. The people following him sometimes did not understand what he was saying. His speech, his actions were far superior. But they listened. And what they did get, what they did grasp, caused them to wonder. Looking at the second one, counselor. What comes to your mind when you hear the word counselor? Well, the first thing that I think of when I think of counselor is someone that is a therapist that is there to help you and uh, hears you out and listens to your problems, maybe tries to help you find the right thing to do. I think counselor here means a lot more than that. In Hebrew, it is a connection, I think, with Psalms 33, verse 10 and 11. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generation. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient time, times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. The counsel that Christ brings defies the expectation of mankind and exceeds our humanly ability to understand. I think furthermore Christ goes beyond the term of what we can understand. But he has a plan. The scriptures show us that plan of God. The counsel of God the ultimate thing that makes the world go round. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son. The time had fully come. Before God would send His Son, it had to be according to God's timetable and His plan. So that way when Jesus went to the cross, everything 
worked according to his plan. Could I say that if Jesus had come a day earlier, it would have been too early? Or if it had came a day late, it had been too late? But the time was perfect. The arrival of this child, this baby, Jesus Christ, had to be perfect. And the reason for that was because there was prophecy. The prophets had prophesied. The Holy Spirit had spoke through men, Isaiah, 700 years before he came. And it all fell together perfect. It clicked. It's like a puzzle. There's pieces. And as these pieces come together, it starts to make a picture. It also takes faith to believe. We have the Bible with the New and Old Testament together. Obviously, when Jesus was here, it would have just been the Old Testament. I believe that we, as we have the canon of Scripture, that we have a lot more accountability to know and do what is right. We sh- we have it. It's before us. The plan. We need to act on faith and believe. Matthew 16.21 Jesus begins to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and He must suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law and that He must be killed and the third day be raised again to life. Jesus wasn't just a counselor telling us what to do in order to get saved. He didn't just make a plan. He was that plan. And He is that plan. The Almighty God, the third example or illustration that we have unto us this child. The Almighty God, the Mighty God. Who is God Almighty? Let's take a closer look at the Hebrew and what that means. The Bible in our English translation would translate it from El Shaddai into God Almighty. What exactly does El Shaddai mean as it relates to God Almighty in our everyday life? The very first use of this El Shaddai was when God was speaking to Abraham. When Abraham was of old age, God said, I am Almighty God. I walk before me. And be blameless. He's talking to Abraham. And he's saying to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. That's in Genesis 17, 1 and 2. Shaddai means overpower and destroy. Therefore, 
the Almighty God, the greatest of all gods. God is telling Abraham in his culture, there probably was influence of other gods. He's saying, I am the greatest of all gods, the strongest and most powerful, the only God. The second thought of El Shaddai, the Shah meaning who, and I meaning enough. Our Almighty God, our wonderful Counselor, is enough for us, and that's all we need. You get the picture that God we serve, He's powerful, He's the only God, yet He's close enough to meet all our needs. When the Israelites chose to throw away their relationship with God and worship idols, they were made out of wood, God would more or less make fun of them. Later on in Isaiah here, Isaiah 44, 16 and 17 verses, it talks about half the wood being burned in a fire. Over it, he prepares it for a meal, prepares a meal on it. He roasts his meat and eats it, his fill. Then he has warmed himself and he says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. And he bows down to it and worships it. And he prays to it and says, Save me, you are my God. You'd have to be a fool to worship a piece of wood. Yet God says that this baby boy that would come to save the world would also be the Almighty God. Through the eyes of human people, this seems foolish. To bow down to a baby? What power can a baby have? How can you feed it, clothe it, and say to a baby, save me? Yet God's Word tells us that God Himself took on flesh. The shepherds recognized it. The wise men recognized it. Joseph and Mary recognized it. At Jesus' baptism, God the Father said, This is my Son. Jesus was a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. And he grew and became an almighty God. God coming to us as a baby, this may be one of the most powerful acts of history. Imagine with me a bull, a cattle bull with a Texas longhorn, let's use and you take it into a china shop, how likely is it to get through that shop without breaking anything? It's literally impossible. The power, the size of the bull, would make it impossible to maneuver without breaking something. 
Yet God, all-powerful, all-consuming, it's His nature for an almighty God to do mighty things, to bring down lightning and create the sun and the moon and the stars and produce powerful windstorms. These things are natural to God because His very nature is power. But how much more miraculous than that power, an all-consuming God, to limit Himself to a flesh to the size of a baby. That is a miracle. And out of all that, mighty things God has done, this would be one of the most incredible of them. To limit Himself to a virgin's womb and be born as a baby boy. The Almighty God. He was the Creator. The Everlasting Father. Our next one that we want to look at. How is Jesus... God's Son able to be called Everlasting Father. According to our terms, human terms, we think of a father and a son, the father usually proceeding over the son and taking care of the son, only in incidents where maybe the father um, gets too old to take care of himself, does the son need to help the father. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 through 13. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with the glory and honor that he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom all things, and by whom all things, in in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to be called them brethren saying, I will declare thy name and unto thy my brethren in the midst of the churches while I sing praises unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. The everlasting Father. Jesus, becoming the Father of those that accept his plan, his gift, He becomes our Father, takes on the role of preserver and redeemer of the universe. As the Son of God, Jesus, He would accomplish that by dying for the world and taking the greatest needs and paying that ransom, that that price that had to be paid so that we could be set free.
the Son, Jesus' rule never changes. He is the everlasting Father. The one who will take care of us now and for all eternity. Imagine if your son grew up to be a multimillionaire and provided you with a mansion, a plenty to spend for the rest of your life. Jesus did way more than that. He provided us with eternity in heaven. Not only that, but he's making, he's preparing mansions for us. And he is the everlasting father that we will be able to abide with. John 14. Verses 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. We can know the way. The Prince of Peace, our final illustration. When Jesus was born, Angels came to the shepherds, declaring the glory of God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. The peace that this boy would establish was not the peace that people were hoping for. It wasn't the peace that was going to be between nations, or between races or families, but between God and men. As that peace was established between God and men, then the peace could maybe be filtrated into nations and families. Only Jesus can say, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as this world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Take heart, I am overcoming the world. Only Jesus can say, do not be afraid, fear not, don't worry. Ephesians 2.14 For He is our peace. Ephesians 2.14-18 For He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in His flesh enmity, between enmity, even the law of commandments containing in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. 
For through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. Jesus has made and took care of the barrier, tore down that petition. Jesus came and preached to you who were afar off. Peace. Peace to those who are near. Through Jesus, the Jews and Gentiles, men and women, high and low classes, have access to one Father and one Spirit. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access, we have gained access to God by faith, and we can stand before Him. The anger and wrath of God over sin had to be taken care of, and so God sent His Son. Unto us a Son is born to take that wrath when Jesus was on the cross he took that wrath in, the, in probably the most uh, worst act of judgment that you could ever think of dying on the cross but that was for you and for me in order to establish a true and lasting peace The Son, the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace has been laid at the door of your heart this Christmas. God did not become man for himself. He did not give his Son to the angels, but he gave his Son to us. That each and every human being can have hope and peace. This is the real key to Christmas. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I look at my son and I say, would I be able to do that? That would be very difficult. But you know, that was the ultimate love that God stooped down and goes deep and He gave His Son to be that ransom for our rebellion. It's a free gift. We don't have to go out and find it or do this or do that to to get to different levels. It's a gift. It's free. All we need to do is accept it and believe in faith. It's given in plain sight. And what do we do with it? The sad thing is that there are people that don't want this Jesus. They look at him as another obligation, another duty, maybe another Moses. They would rather have Santa Claus just give them new bikes and toys and gadgets and whatever else goes with Christmas. 
Other people may think there's no way that Jesus came for them. There must be a mistake. It's for someone else that's more righteous and holy and better than them. So they do not find the true joy and peace that God wants them to have at Christmas. Because they don't want Christ and they don't let Christ in. However, this gift that the Son unto us, the Son is born, if it makes in your heart thanksgiving to God and makes you feel at peace, then you can know that your sins are forgiven and that you will be part of those that those mansions are being prepared for. But if it strikes fear in your heart, then the question is, where is Christ? Is He on the doorstep? Or is He in your heart? What a wonderful child He is. Shall we kneel for prayer? Lord, we come to You this morning. We thank You for the gift of Your Son. Through this season of Christmas that we can reflect on what You did in giving us Your Son to mankind. The ransom that can be paid for our rebellion, our sin. Lord, it is Your desire that we find You and that we seek You with our hearts and that we let You in and that You can have a relationship with us. Lord, I just pray that You would help us to strive to that and live our lives in ways that are pleasing to You. Lord, help us to be the avenues in which other people need to find Christ. Lord, I just pray that You would be with each one here this morning. Thank You for each heart and each life. I just pray that you would suit a blessing to each need. You know the needs of each heart and each life. I just pray that you would continue to work and mold and shape and direct and lead as we live our lives that we could follow you and someday when time is no more that we could all be together in glory. Lord, I just pray that you would go with us. Thank you for what you have done and will do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.